You know, being a parent is uh, the toughest job on planet Earth, but it does have some perks. And one of the greatest perks of being a parent is having the ability to embarrass your children. Anybody with me on that? Listen, there's, there's, there's no greater joy of being a father than having the opportunity to embarrass your child. And I, and I take that responsibility and privilege very seriously. I, I've told this before, I think, but when I was, uh, when I, when I was kind of shepherding my kids through those early years and the toddler years and the elementary years, I used to always just try to do fun, goofy things. And if it embarrassed them, all the better, right? And, and uh, I, every Easter time, you'll notice when you go to Publix, they, they, they have these special little yellow marshmallow sugar-covered peeps, right? The greatest thing, the greatest invention in the history of the world. And so, and so whenever I'd go to the store, I would get, you know, what my wife would send me to get, and then I'd get everything else I want to get. <laughs> and peeps was always something in the spring that I would get. I'd bring it home, and I'm just being a goofy dad, you know, just trying to make my kids laugh, just trying to embarrass them a little bit. And I'd say, hey, look at what I got. I got some peeps up in here. Got my peeps, right? My peeps, right? And so that was just like a thing in my house, did it? Thought nothing of it until my youngest son chose to embarrass me, <laughs> which violates all of the parent-child rules that we have in place, right? It's a one-way embarrassment direction, okay? Here's what happened. We had just moved to the Cincinnati area, and, and uh, my youngest was five years old. He just turned five years old, and we, we took our kids to the zoo around Easter time. And, and so we're walking around, and we've got our whole family there. I think my youngest might have been in a stroll or some kind of thing to try to probably one of those leash things or something to keep them from, you know, jumping in with the gorillas. And, um, and, and we come up to this like train track crossing. So, you know, in this Cincinnati Zoo, they have like this little choo-choo train you get on, you ride around as a family and you see the zoo and whatever, one of these things. And so they have like a walking path where we're walking and then the crossbar comes down and there's like a train coming by. And when the train comes by, it's got all these parents who overpay to have their kids on the train, which is something you do as a parent just to get your kids to be quiet for a little bit. Okay, so, right, all these families ride around the train and so what do we do with our kids we're like oh wave wave and everybody on the train's coming and they're waving hi and then we're sitting there hi everybody wave act like you like these people right and so we're all and and so the train's coming with people and they're waving and all people and they're waving and then I, I, this is out of nowhere my youngest son like in a stroller wherever he's sitting there he goes yo peeps And he threw the deuces out there too, you know what I mean? And I will never forget looking at my son. And the first thought that crossed my mind is, I don't know that kid. Like, I'm with these people over here. And the second thought I had is, no, that's a total misappropriation of the peeps thing, okay? The peeps thing in my house is about marshmallows covered with sugar. It's not about like random gang signs. It's the, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's about marshmallows. And like my son in, in this horrific plot twist imitated me inappropriately and wrongly. And it embarrassed me in front of a lot of people. And you should learn a couple things about that if you're a parent. Number one, my son's a lot like my wife. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, it's just, you know... <laughs> 
It happens. Sometimes you can't control which parent your child turns out to be. I can't tell you how many times I've been out with my wife. She's like, yo, beep to people. You know what I mean? It happens all the time, right? Now, the second thing it highlights, and actually the only thing I'm highlighting today is, is uh, it, there, there's an axiom we use in parenting that more is caught than taught. And, and when you have young kids, it is an amazing thing. Like in that moment, I was reminded that, that our kids being around us in close proximity all the time, they pick up things that they end up imitating, whether good or bad. <laughs> My son was just imitating me. Like he didn't think of context, appropriateness, right? I mean, he's too young to know. He was just trying to be funny and he was funny. But you've seen this as a parent or a grandparent, right? You see it in simple little things. Maybe your son or daughter walks out with like a pair of your shoes on, right? We kind of all have those pictures or videos. Maybe, maybe your son or daughter has repeated something that he or she heard you say <laughs> at Thanksgiving, <laughs> right? Like, like kids are like sponges. And it's an amazing thing to see the power of imitation. Like, like if you put a child in close proximity with an adult over time, that, that, that child is going to imitate that adult in some form or fashion. That's just a principle you see in family. And actually that's a principle that the apostle Paul leans into when he is discussing our relationship with our heavenly father. It's actually really cool. We've been in this study of Ephesians and last week we talked about like a smorgasbord of different aspects of the Christian life that parallel the new life we have in Christ and how the new life we have in Christ should not look like the old life we had before Christ. And there's a lot there that Paul's kind of walking us through. And then what we're gonna see today is like he comes into chapter five and he has a therefore. He's like, okay, you take all of these things that I've talked about that are indicative of the new life that you have in Christ. And let me just boil all of this down for you. Here's in essence what he's gonna say. He's like, hey, it, is, it just comes down to imitating your father. If you'll just walk in close proximity to your heavenly father, you'll begin to imitate some things about his nature and character that are very good for you. Imitation. They say imitation is what? The uh, sincerest form of flattery, <laughs> right? Today I want you to see it's actually an essential quality of every believer. If you have a copy of God's word, go with me to Ephesians chapter five. I want you to see this here for yourself, an incredible statement and really an incredible passage of scripture that highlights for us what it looks to walk in newness of life, like what it looks like to, to walk with our heavenly father and to live a life that matters and a life that makes a difference. And it, and, and it all comes down to this, to this simple statement, okay, this, this powerful statement I wanna show you. If you're taking notes, make sure you jot this down. Imitation is the key to maturation. You know, okay, how do I mature in Jesus? How do I mature in my Christian walk? How, how do I grow up? How, how, do I, how do I grow into Christ? How, how do I mature? If I had one word to give you, here's the word, imitation. Imitate your father. There's so much tied into that one word of imitation that really it, it, it becomes a key word for what it looks like to mature in 
Christ. Imitation is really the key to maturation. You wanna know how to grow up? You wanna how to grow in Christ? You wanna know how to live a meaningful life, an impactful life, a life that overcomes the, 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 the dangers of sin and temptation and foolishness and selfishness and all the things that Paul's been talking to us about, right? He, he, here's the key word, imitation. Imitate your father. In fact, here's how Paul says. Let's go to Ephesians 5, verse 1. Look, at it. he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And this is a great metaphor and analogy that we have in Scripture that, that God is our father, right? And we are his children. And, and again, now, now Paul's leaning into this relational dynamic of, of father and children as he's saying, listen, if you want to boil all of these things down to what I'm telling you, what it looks like to walk in newness of life, what it looks like to live a life that honors God, here, here's the one word you need, imitation. Just be an imitator of God as one of his dearly loved children. You imitate your father, you'll never drift or stray from where you need to be. It's just that simple, right? And then he, he continues, check this out. So imitate your father as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and flagrant, uh, uh, fragrant offering to God. So he's saying, listen, imitate your father and walk in the love of your savior. Two sides of the same coin. Imitate your father, walk in the love of your savior who loved you with a sacrificial love, Right? And then he continues here. Let's look through verse five. But sexual immorality is what this looks like when you walk in proximity, when you imitate. It means sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for the saints, right? He goes on to say obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, he says, every sexual, immoral, or impure, or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. In other words, someone whose life is characterized by these things, they're unrepentant, Right, they're unchanged, they're not imitating their father. Not, 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 that, not that these things pop up every now and then, or not that there's some kind of struggle between the new man and the old man. We're talking about characteristically someone's life defined by these things, walking in these things, living in these things, no conviction, no repentance. Paul is saying that person is not in the kingdom of God because someone who's truly a son or daughter of the father will begin to imitate, imitate their father over the course of their lives. The Holy Spirit always works to bring us into alignment with our Father. And so this is a really, really good word. I love, again, how Paul just makes it so simple for us. And we've talked about a lot of things. If you go back to last week, you'll see Paul's highlighted some things that should not be true of our lives, right? He talked about the inappropriateness of immorality, the power of our negative words and destructive words, the damage of sinful anger. He talked about the brokenness that comes through lying and bitterness and malice and slander. He talked about all of these things, right? And then turn the corner to chapter five, he puts it in the positive and he says, hey, let me break it down for you. This is really, really simple. Just imitate your father. You imitate your father, none of these things will be true about your life. And I love the focus on the positive. You know, sometimes when I counsel with people about Christianity, I have to help them overcome all of the negatives by which Christianity can be defined. A religion of can'ts and don'ts. Some people have a legalistic 
understanding of Christianity. And, and I have to remind them, Christianity is not about rules. Christianity is about a relationship. Right? We're defined by a relationship, a relationship that we don't earn, a relationship that's not, not established through do's and don'ts, a relationship that's established in love and forgiveness and repentance and faith, right? And so I, I often have to talk people through this dynamic of thinking through their faith as, 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 as just a, a, a list of do's and don'ts. Well, I've come to faith in Jesus. Like, well, I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this and I can't do this. Can't have this, can't have this. And, and I love what Paul's doing here. Do you see what he's doing? He's saying, hey, listen, no, 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 quit focusing on the negative. These things are destructive. These things are no good for you anyway. Here's what, focus on the positive. Imitate your father. You have a father worth imitating. You have a father who's loving, a father who is forgiving, a father who is providing, a father who gives you hope, a father who gives you strength, a father who gives you every provision you'll ever need. Focus on the positive. Don't think of your life as a list of do's and don'ts. Think of your life as a privilege of faithfully following and imitating your father. It's a relationship. Been a couple times in my life, I've been blessed to be with some people and go to one of these uh, Brazilian steakhouses. You ever been to one of those? You know what? When I think of this heavenly banquet that's coming at the return of Jesus, that's what I think about. Now, see, that's where you're supposed to say amen right there. That's what it's going to be, right? I mean, have you been to one of these places? I've only been a couple times, but I mean, they're amazing. You got these guys dressed up like Captain Jack Sparrow walking around, right? And they got swords. And on these swords is filet mignon and Brazilian sausage and flank steak and sirloin and stuffed with bacon. <laughs> and, and here's what's amazing. They just keep coming to your table. And they, they just keep coming with these swords and their pants flying out and all this stuff. And they come around and, and they say, filet mignon. I'm like, yeah, I can't even get the words out, right? And then here's what they do. They come to your table and they always start with like the one at the bottom. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Go ahead and go to the top. Put them all on that plate, bro, right? And, and then they, they have other people. And I, I feel terrible for these people. Because these are people that they're just that they live a life of rejection. I feel so bad for them. They have like chicken on their swords. <laughs> have you seen the chicken people? These are like the people who before work they're drawing straws. Oh, well, daggone it, I got the chicken. <laughs> nobody wants your chicken, man. You ever seen the pork guy? Ain't nobody wants the pork. Right? And it's, it's, like, it's like you go into one of these restaurants, you ever been to one of these, right? Like you go in, okay, you pay the same amount. Like you pay the same, you get, you get whatever you want, you get the same amount, right? And so don't waste your stomach space on chicken. <laughs> they have a salad bar. Why? For looks. I don't know. Why would you go there and put this stuff in your stomach and take up valuable real estate when there's filet mignon coming around? And when I go to these places, right, 
It's like, I ain't messing around with the chicken. Like I could, there's a sense in which, oh yeah, you tell people, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You don't want the chicken, don't waste your, like I, literally, I have a, an advisory firm. I have established for people who've never been to these places before. Don't go to the salad bar, it's a trap. <laughs> They're trying to get you to get that salad and stuff so that you eat less filet, man, don't do it. Don't even go over there, right? The chicken guy's gonna hit you up early. Let him go, hurt his feelings. That's why he's there, <laughs> right? Like in a sense, it's like stop focusing on what you shouldn't have and focus on what you can have. Bacon, raffle, mignon. I'm trying to get these guys to come cater an event at church. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Whoo! This is what the great banquet's gonna be one day. I'm just telling you. You say, hey, you don't focus on it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the chicken. Don't worry about it. It's, like, there's a sense like I'm not, fo- like what, what, what I have available to me is so great. I don't lose any sleep over what I don't want or can't have or whatever. And I just, listen, when it comes to the Christian life, I just want you to see what Paul's doing here, right? He's giving us a warning about some things that we're tempted with and some things that are in the world. And these are things that are ultimately destructive. Like, right, this is like, this is, this is the salad bar kind of, this is the stuff like you don't, no, 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 no. Like, and, and sometimes we focus so much on what we can have or what we shouldn't have or whatever. And, and, and right there in front of us is a life worth living that's like bacon, rat, filet, mignon. But yet we spent more time lamenting the fact that we shouldn't have the chicken than enjoying the fact that we get to have the filet. And Paul's saying, your old man's going to try and draw you back into a lifestyle that's characterized by sexual immorality and greed and using your words to tear other people down and a lifestyle that's characterized by selfishness. And here's what you're missing. You're missing out on the joy of imitating your father and living like your father. And there's really no greater joy in all the world than living like your heavenly father. Oh man, that's the filet mignon. Like you want, you want to live your life with true joy. You want to live your life with peace. You want to live your life with true satisfaction. You want to live your life with like meaningful stability in, in seasons of unrest and difficult. Then imitate your father. I love the positive here. I mean, it's, it's just so simple, right? Let me just boil all of it down, Paul seems to be saying. Let me just boil it all down for you. Don't think of it as what you can't do. Think of it as what you get to do. Imitate your father, you'll be fine, right? And, and he says our imitation of our father should be characterized by the fact that none of these other things are even spoken of. They're even hinted at when it comes to our lives. I love that. And here's what Paul's saying. Our lives in imitating our father should so stand out from the world that there's not even a hint of this kind of immorality among us. Man, that's a, that's a convicting word. Because not only sometimes do we see Christianity as a list of do's and don'ts and we're focused on what we can't do instead of what we can do, sometimes we, we, we treat our walk with Jesus like a baseball game and we try to get as close to the foul line as we can without stepping over. <laughs> Paul's like, there shouldn't even be a hint of this stuff in the church. Like, like don't, don't even toy around with it, right? Like, don't, don't even mess around. Like, these things should not even be true. Like, there should, he says this, he says, he says, these things should not 
even present a hint in your life. That's our goal. And this means a couple of things for us. Can I just give you a couple of like convicting things here? I think this means for us. First of all, it means that we don't fill our minds with, with, with these things and call it entertainment. Paul, Paul says here, if you notice, he says, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, right? Destructive talk, all the obscene and foolish joking, all this... He says, all of these things should not even be hinted at among you. Which means sometimes when we fill our minds with these things and call it entertainment, that ought to give us pause. This also means that we don't equate happiness with these things and call it normal. Sometimes we're just repeatedly entertained by things that are filling our minds and our hearts with the types of things that are not consistent with imitating our Father. And if we think that doesn't have an effect on us over time, we're foolish. Sometimes we surround ourselves with people who are not interested in imitating our Father, and that has a negative impact on us. That's why Paul says elsewhere, bad company corrupts good character. And sometimes we think of happiness as being tied to idolatry or greed and we think how could a person who doesn't have what I have or how could a how, how could I who doesn't have yet what someone else how could I ever be truly happy and this is this is all a reminder that if you have Jesus and you have the hope of salvation and you have food to eat and clothes to wear and a house to live in trust me you are doing better than the majority of the world and you're actually doing better than every single person who lives in a $50 million home but doesn't have Jesus. And I've told you this before, let me just tell you this again. If you've not been on a mission trip with us, you gotta go. As we're ramping things back up here the next year or two, I'm telling you, you gotta go. You've never been to a third world country with us, you gotta go, it'll change your life. You know what the number one thing God's gonna use to change your heart is? He, he's gonna put you in a context with people who are in immense poverty, who doesn't have anything even remotely close to what you and I have, but yet who seem to have more joy and happiness than we do. It'll rock your world, I promise you. It will rock your world and it'll change your life. Because our lives are so woven into this dynamic of do's and don'ts, what we have or what we don't have, that we fail to understand this is the positive. This is the filet mignon here. We have a father who loves us unconditionally. We have a savior that gave his blood for us. We have an eternal home that is secure no matter what we face in this life. We have a future and a hope. We have everything we need, a father who's gonna provide for us in every circumstance. Listen, whatever the world has to offer us through all of these skewers of chicken, right? We don't have to worry about what we don't have or what we shouldn't have. Focus on what we have. And Paul's saying, don't even, don't even go to the to the line to see how close you can get before crossing over. Live your life in such a way that all of these things are not even hinted at among you. They're not even remotely connected to you or your witness. These things don't bring happiness. These things don't bring lasting joy. These things don't bring fulfillment. And if you're caught in this cultural trap of thinking that you have to have X, Y, or Z, whether it's engaging in some kind of immorality or whether it's pressing into idolatry and greed, thinking I gotta have more to be more, just, just, just check yourself here. Paul is saying the key to last joy, fulfillment, and happiness is imitating your father. 
And if you do that, trust me, you'll be happy. Man, that's, that's just such a good word. He said, let me boil it down. Just imitate your father, right? And, and, then, he, and then he continues. Okay, let me, let me show you what else he says in picking up the kind of the second section of, of, of chapter five. He says, so then let no, no, no one deceive you with empty arguments for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of all of these things. Here, here's what he means by empty arguments. He's, he's talking about a culture, and this was certainly true of the culture of Ephesus, a culture that says, well, you can be a Christian and redefine sexuality and gender. Well, you can be a Christian and doubt the exclusivity of salvation in Jesus. Well, you can be a Christian and, and doubt certain parts of God's word. Well, you can be a Christian and, and perverse Christian liberty. Paul's saying these are deceptive, empty arguments, people trying to distort the faith, distort the scriptures, distort the plan and purpose of God. Paul's saying, don't let anybody deceive you, right? Don't let anybody deceive you trying to, to, to subvert the gospel, trying to attach their immorality, trying to attach their greed, trying to attach their selfish ambition to the gospel. Here's what Paul's saying, don't even go down that road. Don't fool around with these people that wanna say, well, yeah, you can be a Christian and go against the revealed counsel of your father. That's an empty way to live your life. Can I just boil it down? I'm just such a simple-minded person, okay? If you saw my high school transcript, you'd understand why that's true, okay? <laughs> God has revealed who he is, who we are, who we can be in him, and how we should live our lives. It is not that complicated. It is all right here. He's told us how to live our life. He's told us about what's dangerous. He's told us about what's hurtful. He's told us. He's told us. The question is not, has God made his will clear to us? The question is, are we going to be humble enough to embrace it and do it? And it has always been the case from the dawn of Christianity that there are some people who try to attach something to the clear-cut gospel of salvation in Jesus and Jesus alone. Well, you can be a Christian and go against what God says in his word about sex. You can be a Christian and go against God's glory that's expressed through image-bearing men and women in their gender and roles. You can be a Christian and be open to the fact that salvation can come through other people other than Jesus. Do you see how this goes? You think, oh, this is new to the 21st century. No, it's not. Paul dealt with it in the first century. And let me take you back to Ephesians 5 and verse 6. Okay, let me take you back one more time to what he says here. All right, there in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with these empty arguments. What are these people trying to do, Right? Like, like, like they're trying to justify their disobedience, but yet God's wrath's gonna come on all of these who are disobedient. So then he continues. Okay, let's roll to verse seven. So Paul says, therefore, don't become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. And so don't participate, he says, in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead 
expose them, for it is shameful to even mention what is done by them in secret. He wraps up this section with this. He says, everything exposed by the light is made visible for what makes everything visible is light. And therefore it is said, get up sleeper and rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He said, listen, as a child of light, quit trying to live like you're a child of the darkness, right? Don't, don't, don't pay attention to these people who are living in the darkness and then trying to attach their darkness to the light of the gospel. These are empty and vain and foolish arguments. And Paul says, God's wrath's coming on them. So stay as far away as you can, right? And then he concludes with this. I love this. So he says, he, this here concludes, all right? He says, so then you ought to pay careful attention to how you live. What's the positive? Man, I get to... I get to imitate my father, his goodness, grace, his life-giving spirit, his power, purity, right? Selflessness, service, generosity, like all the things that, that, that encapsulate the spirit of our father. Like we get to live in that and enjoy the fulfillment of that, right? So he says, pay careful attention to how you live. How you live your life as a believer matters. And so don't live as an unwise person, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, can you see we got another shotgun thing? He's gonna wrap up again, right? He, he continues, he says, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Okay, let me break these down quickly. All right, all right, really, really quick. Let me, let me hit these, these six things. First of all, walking in the light and imitating your father has six immediate impacts on you and me. First of all, it impacts how we spend our time. How we spend our time. Paul says, be, be very, very careful. Pay careful attention to how you live and make the most of your time. How you spend your time, how you, you organize your life. Like you need to be very, very careful. Psalm 90 and verse 12 says this, I love it. Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. This is where our culture makes it difficult at times to imitate our father because we have countless distractions that lead us away from faithfully following and imitating him. It's not that we shouldn't have times of rest and rejuvenation and, and uh, laughter and fun and entertainment. That's not, that's not the point. The point is if we lean into all of these things to the extent that they become distractions for us or stumbling blocks, and that, that's a problem, Right? That's why John Piper said, this is one of my favorite quotes from Pastor John Piper. He said this, one of the great uses of social media will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. It's not that we, it's not that we shouldn't have periods of rest and rejuvenation. We shouldn't go on vacation with our family. We, should, we shouldn't enjoy the, the, the goodness of God and what he gives to us. It's, it's just, if we're not careful we, we don't spend our time wisely and we can, we can get out of balance, right? So he's saying, you wanna faithfully imitate and emulate your father, you, you, you give careful attention as a child of the light of how you spend your time. Secondly, how we value God's will. He gives us a negative and a positive here. He says, listen, he says, don't be foolish. Okay, how can I live a life that's not characterized by foolishness? Well, I understand what God's will is. It's all right here, understand God's will. It's a simple uh, statement I heard someone say years ago. I love this. Check this out, okay? Direction, not intention, determines your destination. 
Direction, not intention, determines your destination. You wanna make sure you get to the right place, check this out, you have to value the right plan that will get you there. You have to set a direction to get there. We all have good intentions. You have to have a good direction. What's the very best direction you could ever follow for your life by imitating your father? Listen, it's right here. Follow his will for you. You'll never be disappointed. All weekend, we've been talking to our students, hundreds of students, right? What have we been encouraging them to do? Hey, turn away from the culture, turn away from your ungodly friends, turn away from your selfish ambition. Listen, the key to lifelong fulfillment, joy, and impact is to follow God's will for your life. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. So how we spend our time, how we value God's will. Third, how we live spirit-filled, right? How we walk in the spirit, lean in the spirit. Notice the contrast. Paul's saying that a person who is drunk is controlled by the alcohol that they've consumed to the point that they don't operate as a normal person. So here's what Paul is saying. Just check this out. He's saying being filled with the spirit means that you're leaning into the word of God. You're leaning into prayer. You're leaning into the presence of God's spirit in you. You're being sensitive to his conviction, sensitive to his direction, right? And you're leaning into the spirit so that you're controlled by the spirit. Check this out. So that you no longer live like a normal person. Because when you follow Jesus in this world, you will not be called normal. And there are a lot of people in in, in American Christianity trying to normalize the Christian life. It's never going to be normal because we're children of the light living in a culture of darkness. You can't normalize it. We say things like, well, you seem to accept Jesus, accept Jesus, accept Jesus. May I just give you, the, the, the greater concern for us ought not to be Jesus, like, like, like us accepting Jesus, but Jesus accepting us. He doesn't need us. He invites us into his family at the cost of his own blood because he loves us that much not because he can't live without us. We can't live without him. And so how how does Jesus define the Christian life for us? You know how Jesus defines a Christian life? Not just sprinkling a little little bit of Christianity on your sin, right, or your darkness. You know how Jesus defined it? He said, let me tell you something. You wanna know what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God? You need to be born again. You know what Jesus says? You're gonna take up your cross. You know what Jesus said? You're gonna have to renounce all things. Don't expect to faithfully follow Jesus and imitate your father and be considered normal by the unbelieving world. (laughs) So that's why Paul says, be filled with the spirit. And when you're controlled by the spirit, (laughs) you'll imitate your father, you'll walk in the love of your savior and you'll live a life that makes a difference. It may not be considered normal by your unbelieving friends or coworkers, but it'll make a difference for Jesus, all right? Three other things, quickly. It, it, it then impacts how we encourage one another. Notice Paul here talks about the fact that, that we speak and sing the truths of God's word through music and hymns, right? I just, I just love this. Like we, it's like what we've done today. We've gathered, we've sung together. We've reflected on words like, it is well with my soul. All right, we encourage one another. Fifth, We cultivate thankful hearts. What does it mean to imitate our Father? Well, it impacts how we cultivate thankful hearts in every season. 
we give thanks because we have a God who loves us and who's providing for us. And then finally, how we relate to others. We're gonna pick this up next week as we talk about family, okay? But it's, it's we submit to each other. We work together. We do everything we can to try to advance the mission of our Father together because imitation is the key to maturation. How do I live a life that honors God? I imitate him, right? That's it.